Today we're talking about a man who's been credited for dividing the church and creating denominations in the church. Some say it was a good thing, others say it was a bad thing. Let's check it out. Today, we have up to 33,000 different denominations of Christianity. This number is a breakdown of every single denomination. For example, not just Baptist, but Southern Baptist, Independent Baptist, Fellowship Baptist, and that's just the English versions. We as a church are definitely divided, and the question people debate is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? During the time of Martin Luther, this was the debate as well. There was many, many people who knew the church needed to be reformed. And a reformation was definitely needed. However, there were two camps, those who wanted to reform the Catholic Church and those who wanted to leave and start a whole new church. If you're just joining us now, I recommend going back and listening to past episodes. We started with Jesus Christ and we've been following through the story of the church in chronological order. We have watched the church slowly shift away from the teachings of Jesus Christ. And they have become a corrupt, money-hoarding, and nothing-to-do-with-the-gospel, power-hungry organization. Imagine you're in a small town in 1490. Your father has just died from the plague. You're now left to care for your family as the oldest child. The weight of trying to care for your family is almost as heavy as the grief that your father is now dead. But where is your father now? Is he in heaven with God or is seen a place of purgatory suffering. Then, as you're in town trying to sell some of the food you've grown, a priest comes, and he is the indulgence priest. He tells you, if you give the money you've earned that day to him, it will shorten your father's time in purgatory. You tell the priest, you have nothing to spare. You have to provide for your mother and your sisters now. The priest looks at you. After all your father did for you in his life, and you won't sacrifice now to help him? You give the money to the priest. This was common in this time period. The great cathedrals were built with this money. Not just children paying for their parents, but parents who lost children had to pay in order to help their children get to heaven. With the plague, wars, famines, everyone had lost someone. And it was a lucrative way for the church to become literally filthy rich. The selling of indulgences also went towards your own forgiveness. And indulgences could be bought even before you sinned. So you could be forgiven for a sin you hadn't even committed yet. However, in the church, there has always been voices preaching the gospel and salvation has always been preached. Some of the preachers were burned at the stake. Others survived to spread the good news of Jesus. Into this time period was born Martin Luther. He's been credited for starting the Reformation. However, he was not the one who started the Reformation. He was the one who perhaps finished it. The Reformation had been long underway with the Hussites, the Lollards, and many more. But for now, we're going to look into the life of Martin Luther. I want to tell you that most of the information I'm using for this episode and the ones coming up later about Martin Luther come from the book Martin Luther by Eric Metaxas. I highly recommend this book, and I also recommend the audible version that Eric himself narrates. It was a cold November day, the 10th to be exact, when Martin Luther was born. 
The year is actually not known, and even Martin himself was not sure of his birth year. Historians have picked 1483 because they know it was somewhere around that time, but that date is probably off by a year or two in either direction. So, a cold November day in Saxony, Germany, his parents brought him to the church to be named. He was named after a saint that was also born on this day and then given the name Martin. For many years, people believed Martin Luther grew up as a very poor boy. However, new archaeology digs of his childhood home paint a much different picture. His father was a businessman, and his mother's family was very wealthy. It was her family money that helped start Hans Luther's copper mining business. What we know about Martin's childhood was that he would have grown up with toys and lots of good food and all the things a young boy would have wanted to have. His young life, however, was met with tragedy. One of his siblings died when a plague came through his town. Hans Luther was not only a businessman, he was also a town councillor. So he was well-respected and had dreams for his son to be a great man one day. That started for Martin in 1488, when he started school as a young boy. He learned Latin, and every day school started with saying the Ten Commandments, Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed. Eleven years later, he went to another school, this one run by the Brethren of the Common Life. You remember in our last episode, Erasmus also attended a school run by the Brethren of the Common Life. These schools were all about how you acted. You had to show you were humble, and the boys who attended these schools were not treated well at all. A few years later, Martin went on to university in 1501. During these years that today would have been considered high school, college years, the Pope was Alexander VI. You'll remember him from our episode, The Borgia Family. This was the worst Pope in history. I'm not going to go into all the details of this horrid family, but for many people, this Pope was the breaking point that they knew the church needed a reformation. If this man could end up being Pope, the church was bad. Martin had the goal of receiving a law degree and then running his family business and making it into a fortune that would last for decades for the family. Well, that was his goal, or his dad's goal. Martin went with it. He graduated with his bachelor's degree in 1502, and then he went on to get his master's. Once he had his master's degree, he could choose three different paths to finish his education. Law, medicine, or theology. Martin took the path of law. Imagine you're standing with Martin as he holds a book in his hands. He has just purchased Corpus of Canon Law. He looks so proud and so happy. You smile at your friend. You can add this book to your other collections. On the shelf sits a collection of law texts and legal textbooks that Martin has bought to prepare himself for the next level of education. Things really seem to be lining up for your friend, Martin. But... Three different life events would make him question these choices, and these three events all happened in a six-week time span. First, the plague was sweeping through Europe again, and some of the students who were finishing up law school died. On their deathbed, they said, Oh, how I wish I had been a monk instead. There was a fear of death, and the church, who had not preached the salvation mission in years, had no real hope to give people. The second event happened while Luther was riding his horse with a friend. Luther had a large knife that most people would have had on him. 
As he was riding his horse, he had a stumble, and in trying to correct himself, somehow his knife cut him. Luther got off his horse, and soon it was obvious the cut was very deep, and he was bleeding far too much. Luther and his friends tried to stop the bleeding, but his friend knew he needed help. The friend took off and rode to find a doctor, leaving Luther alone in the forest. He tried to hold down the cut and stop the bleeding, but the blood was soaking the rag and spilling out through his fingers. He could feel himself passing out, and the world around him was growing quieter and fading. He cried out, not to God, not to Jesus, but to St. Anne. Anne was the grandmother of Jesus, and to the cool community, she was the saint that they would have prayed to, because they believe Anne had held the seed of both Mary and Jesus in her, a special treasure that no one could see. So for people who dug looking for treasures, she was the one that they prayed to. So Martin, on the ground, dying, prayed to Anne. A doctor happened to be riding by and saw Martin. He ran to his rescue and saved his life. By the time Martin's friend had returned with the doctor, it would have been too late. That night, Martin was laying in bed when suddenly his cut broke open again, and he started to bleed again. And once again, he cried out to Anne for help. Again, he didn't die. Then, the third event. Once Luther had recovered from his accident enough that he could ride again, he was coming home from law school when a thunder and lightning storm suddenly came upon him. He tried to ride through it when suddenly a lightning bolt landed right beside him and his horse. Thrown from his horse, he lay on the ground with the thunder and lightning raging around him. This time, he cried out to God, If I live through this, I will be a monk. As the storm ended, Martin rose to his feet. He knew his life was never going to be the same. He would leave law school and become a monk. He would not run his father's business. He would instead do God's work. But what work could God have for young men in a church that was so completely corrupt? Martin's father was extremely angry with him. In fact, he refused to even speak to him. The two men would not speak for two years. Martin went on to a monastery by the order of the Hermits of St. Augustine. Now, the Augustinian order was very divided on what to do with the church. One believed the church needed to be reformed and become a much more strict church. The other wanted modifications. Luther's school believed in the need to follow a strict return to the basis. Luther arrived to his new room. It had only a bed and one chair. His daily schedule would start at 2 o'clock in the morning. This was a long way off of the life his father had imagined for him. He was supposed to be a well-respected lawyer with all the luxuries life offered at that time and with a family business. But now here he was in a cold room with one small bed and one tiny chair. Luther spent his time reading and studying and driving the priests crazy. He was so afraid that he would die with a sin not confessed that he would go to confession every day and confess every single idle thought he had. His confessions would take hours, and the priest would try and tell him it was unnecessary, and yet he would still continue. Finally, in 1506, he was ready to be a priest. The church taught that a priest, when he prayed during communion, actually made the bread and wine turn into the body and blood of Jesus. Not figuratively, but literally. At this point, Luther believed this to be true. In the fall of 1506, one by one, a group of carriages arrived. Hans Luther and his family have arrived to watch Martin Luther's first communion as priest. 
Hans has not spoken to his son in two years, but at this moment there is a pride again for his son. He has many guests with him, and they arrive in style. They enter the church and take their seats. For this special occasion, even the women in the family have been allowed to attend, something the church did not normally allow. Hans watches as his son, Martin, stands at the front of the church. He is dressed in the robes of the church, but he looks terrified. At one point, it looks like he's trying to run off the stage, but he's stopped by one of the priests who pushes him forward. Luther prays over the communion, and soon the people have left the sanctuary and are celebrating with a special dinner. Luther then asks his father, Why were you so angry that I wanted to be a priest? Hans answers, With all your biblical knowledge and you haven't yet learned to honor your father and mother? Luther was not done studying. He continued to study and earn more degrees. But now that he was a monk, he was no longer allowed to read the Bible in his room. He could only read books about the Bible. The Bible itself could only be read in the library. One day in the library, Luther found a book by a man named John Huss. Huss was a heretic that had been burned at the stake for his heresy. Luther was interested in reading to find out what kind of heresy this man must have preached to receive the punishment of death. He took the book back to his tiny room and read the book. He was shocked to find nothing in the book that went against anything he had read in the Bible, and he could not figure out where the heresy was. But instead of this drawing him away from the church, he thought he must study harder if he could not find the heresy that must have been so obvious to everyone else. Luther was plagued by his sin, and although he had given up everything to be a monk, and was dedicating his life to God, he still felt just as lost and afraid of death as he had been the day he cut his leg or when he'd been almost hit by lightning. He still saw himself as a sinner and there seemed to be no way to defeat his sinful nature. He drove his confessors crazy with his long confessions, some lasting up to six hours in length. But after leaving confession, he felt pride that he remembered all his sins and that sent him back to confess the confession of his pride. Around this time, the church decided to merge the two Augustinian orders. Luther was sent to Rome to try and convince the church to not merge the two orders. Luther was thrilled. He had prayed for a way to find holiness, and a trip to Rome was a perfect way to connect with God. Also, there was the opportunity to see relics, things from church history. Just viewing these relics was worth many indulgences. In fact, there were some relics that if you viewed them eight times, you would have an indulgence so great you could send a soul to heaven without spending any time in purgatory at all. The trip would be long and he would travel it on foot, but that was part of what got him closer to God. Imagine you're living in Florence, Italy. Just 10 years ago, a preacher named Savonarola had been killed here. When he was alive, things had been very strict. Music and art had to meet his standards. But now, just 10 years later, statues and music were starting to flood Florence once again. Some of them you have concerns with, like the naked version of King David. That seems wrong. But the town is now full of music once again, and will one day be looked at with the term Renaissance. Into this town walks a man. He's dressed in simple monk clothing and reminds you of Savonarola. He's clearly very pious. He doesn't stop, though. He walks right through. Doesn't even seem to notice what's going on around him. You find the sight of this strange monk walking through town intriguing. 
and you will remember it for your lifetime. You have no idea, however, that this monk, although he will never again enter your town, will change your way of life forever and will in fact change the world. Luther did travel through Florence, Italy. A few weeks ago, we did an episode on Savonarola, and this was the place he had died. He had been killed just around 10 years before Luther walked through Florence. He would have seen the artwork that had come back after Savonarola's death, the statues and the music that was thriving in Florence. Luther finally arrived in Rome. He was in awe of the large buildings, the majestic architecture around him. His job was to try and convince the church to not merge the two Augustinian orders. But the Pope, Pope Julius, would not even see him or hear his case. So it was a complete failure. But Luther thought God had brought him to Rome to help him grow closer to holiness. But perhaps God had brought him to Rome to see for himself just how corrupt the church had become. Luther attended Mass, something he took very seriously. He expected to find Mass in Rome to be very pious and serious. Instead, it was a complete joke. Priests raced through Mass as quickly as they could, doing up to 12 Masses in one hour. Sometimes, two priests would go at the same time. They would speak so fast that not one word was understandable and would joke about changing the wording and that no one being able to tell if they did it. There was also a lot of prostitutes in Rome. The city was basically the Las Vegas of the time. Luther left the city in disgust. He had wanted to be in a place that brought him closer to God, but it seemed like Rome was being run by Satan himself. Luther decided to visit a woman on the way home named Anna. She was so pious and holy that she didn't even need to eat or drink anymore, and she also never went to the bathroom. She had reached the state of holiness that made her able to live almost like an angel. Luther was so happy to be given the opportunity to meet with her. He asked her a question. Anna, are you excited to go to heaven, to leave this earth finally and be in God's presence? Anna looked at him. No. Here on earth, I know what to expect. I have no idea what awaits me in heaven, so I would rather be here. Luther was shocked. Basically, every part of his trip was a disappointment. We're going to have an entire episode dedicated to Anna in a few weeks. She's a very interesting woman. Martin returned from his trip to Rome more confused than ever. He continued his studies and eventually got his doctorate degree. But even this was controversial. The place he studied made his fellow monks angry, and they refused to come to his graduation. His age was a problem because some thought he was far too young to be a doctor. But Martin did get his doctorate, and at his graduation he received a ring, and most importantly, a Bible. He was now finally allowed to teach the Bible. Martin finally had the life he had dreamed of. His days were spent reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and teaching the Bible. But still, his soul could not rest. Still, something was missing. In our next episode, we're going to continue the life of Luther. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share it with a friend. Also, to hear other podcasts or to watch my video series, head over to lauraleesiemens.com. I'll see you next week.